Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Blue Jays up 2-0 on the Rays. That is now after 7. Aaron Sanchez on the hill for the Jays. He's allowed 6 hits. No runs, obviously. He's walked 2 and struck out 6. The Raptors now trailing the Pacers, who have gone on a 15-6 run to start the third quarter. 55-50 Indiana up on Toronto. Second period, just getting started in Dallas. No score, Blues and the Stars. Sharks and Predators later on. That one will start at 8.30 Edmonton time. We're going to bring in Gary Galley in a couple of minutes here. Some texts first to 6.30, Rocket says, if the Oilers win this year's draft lottery, I'm changing professions back to comedy. I'd have several hours of Leafs material that could last a decade. That is from Rocket. Chris says, draft lottery idea. Rather than individual team odds, how about grouping teams? For example, teams 26 to 30th each have a 10% chance. Teams 21 to 25, a 7% chance. And teams 17 to 20, each a 4% chance. So there's no benefit to tanking at the end of the year. This gives a 50% chance that one of the bottom five teams will get the number one pick. That is from Chris. Not a bad idea, actually. And Sam G says, uh, half the time I don't agree with Bob, but I'm 100% agreeing with him that the Flames have some good players already and defensively they are ahead, so I don't mind if the Canucks win the draft lottery. That is from Sam G. All right. You can keep the text coming to 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Former NHL defenseman Gary Galley, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, is on the line. Gary, good to talk to you again. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Reed. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Uh, always enjoy uh, your work, uh, doing the uh, analysis on the games throughout the season. And uh, you're, you're pretty much always camped out between the benches these days, eh? Yeah, that was a new change for me this year where I had talked to the people at Rogers and I just felt like uh, the number of years I did the game from upstairs, it was time time to make a change and, and challenge myself to be better at what I do by going downstairs, getting the game from ice level, being around the action. As, a, as an ex-player, you feel you're most comfortable down at the ice level. And that's where you see things happening at the, the proper speeds. Uh, you see the benches interacting. You see a lot of things that you wouldn't see upstairs. So I think it just brings a better broadcast, and uh, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. 
How much attention do you pay to what's going on on the benches, whether it uh, maybe is, is, is body language or player interaction or coach-player inter- interaction? I mean, a lot of the things that maybe fans would get to, to see when the camera's tracking the puck all the time. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, um, like uh, the interaction on the bench you're watching all the time. You've got to keep your eye on the play, okay? But as soon as that whistle blows, you're, you're doing your highlight, but you're also watching the changes. You're watching the interaction between coaches and players. You're watching interaction between players and players, between opposite teams crisscrossing at the bench, you know, yipping and yapping at each other. Um, I'll give you one example that really magnified my position there this year and really uh, uh, took notice of it, and I got a lot of feedback on it. I was doing the last game of the year, the Boston game with Ottawa, they were fighting to get into the playoffs, right, uh, the Bruins. And, and in, the, in the second period, or I think it was the end or towards the end of the second period, uh, Boston called a timeout. I think Claude Julien was getting ready to address his team, and he wasn't happy for sure. Before Claude could talk, uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron stepped in, and he started to unload on his teammates. And this is not something this guy does very often. He, this guy is a real solid uh, player and a real, real good soldier for them. And at the end of the day, Claude Julien just backed off. He backed off, and he let Patrice handle his team uh, and, 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 and just, you know, encourage his team. And, and I'll tell you what, after that, Patrice was, uh, was incredible. He was pushing so hard. I think they outshot the, the Senators, I think, eight or nine to nothing in the next few minutes. Of course, they, everything fell apart at the end for the Bruins. But you don't see that. Maybe you miss that. You're upstairs. You're doing highlights. You're watching things. And that was so significant in that game. Uh, to see that and then and then bring it out and talk about it and show the leadership of a guy like Patrice and what he brings to the Bruins. And that's just one, you know, scenario. I mean, it, uh, but that was one that really exemplified being down there and the importance of it. Yeah, well, that's a really cool story. And you're right, you'd miss that if, if you were higher up for sure. And I got to say, Gary, you're, you're, you're so close to the ice now, you have, a, you have a perfect view for all these offside challenges, right? I mean, we could just ask you what happened instead of going to the replay, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those linesmen are so good at what they do. Yeah, They are so good at what they do. You're talking about slowing things down to a snail's pace so everybody can throw arrows at them. It's like, it's insane. These guys are picking this up at full clip with bodies moving through. I mean, these guys come over and you look at them and it's like, Guys, and they're they're like, hey, what, do you, what did you think? You know, hey, it's tight, it's tight. I don't know if this foot's up. I don't know if the puck came. And I'm, and you know, we're looking at that super slow ball. These guys are taking it at one crack deal, full speed, all the bodies, all the action, and I think that they do an absolute marvelous job. And I know the cameras are coming in now, and and and, it, and sometimes these things are getting overturned. But you know how many they do in a game, and how many important things they do in a game for them that's outstanding. I mean, from from the aspect of being a former player, I mean, you lived with sometimes close calls or bad bounces or a whistle that maybe shouldn't have been blown or where you hoped one would have been called dead and it wasn't. Have we taken it too far with the offside challenges? Would you be just as happy if that didn't come back? You know what? I, I think they just got to find a way of, of doing it right. I think getting it right where maybe on the goal, Toronto's already on it. They're already on it. They've already looked at it so that when the time it gets to there, I think it's already done. They have an answer, or they've already started on it. So the time between stopping and starting is 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 a lot shorter, you know. And, and I think I think that's the that's the one thing is maybe it slows it down a little too much. It breaks up momentum, um, you know. And I'll tell you what, I know the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, they were some kind of upset. Uh, Rick Bonus and um, and uh, and uh, and uh, John Cooper right. were going crazy when those octopus were coming out of the ice. I mean, in Detroit. I mean, you're getting you're getting penalties 
for throwing rats. You're getting penalties for throwing bracelets. These guys are throwing live octopus onto an ice. The guy's got to come out. They've got to scrape the ice. The guy swings it around. He's getting the whole crowd going. Like, like if you're Tampa Bay, you're like, what is this? Like, I know it's a, it's a historic a r- ritual that happens there and everything, but it's like you can't, you can't talk out of two sides of your mouth. It delays the game. It kills momentum. So at the end of the day, I think some coaches will challenge at some points. I know John Cooper challenged uh, they, 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 the offside, and then once or the offside got uh, challenged, and then at the end of the day, you know, that delay probably killed a ton of momentum for Detroit. And then it, and then it slows it down, and then you just kind of come back at it again. So it is it is an interesting query for, to say, do we need it or not? We want to get the calls right. The calls being right are so important that if, if, if we're not getting them right and someone loses because of it, um, you know, I'll take it a step farther. If you watch that Philadelphia game, that game with Washington, that mm-hmm. last game, the game six, when they got the mistake on the high-stick call, yep. that's a four-minute high-sticking penalty that should never have been called. Then the penalty happens after the Niskanen. Now it's a five-on-three, and you've got to kill a two-minute five-on-three in an important game six that can sway a series in a heartbeat. Now it didn't because Washington's penalty kill did a marvelous job, but if they score a couple of goals there, and that thing ends up falling to Philly, and you're going to a Game 7, and you're Washington, tell me you're not some kind of upset. If, if they are going to look at offsides and they're going to look at things, if the challenge, a coach should be able to challenge and say, that wasn't our stick that hit him in the face. It was his own teammate. We want you to look at it, and we want the penalty taken back. Because, again, if you're trying to get it right, you're going to get as much right as you can. But, again, at the expense of the game slowing down and things like that, I guess, uh, that's always the argument, right? Yeah. Gary Galley joining us on Inside Sports Analyst with the NHL on Rogers. Hey, before I let you go, uh, we got the draft lottery coming up tomorrow night. The Oilers, uh, once again, with decent odds to get that first pick, 13.5%. The only team with better odds are the Leafs at 20. Vancouver's in at 11.5%. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I put your put your. Well, I don't know if it's your GM's hat on, but uh, I mean, if if the Oilers were to land that pick and and the right to grab Austin Matthews, do you think that's the way they should go with it, or, or how do you look at that scenario? Well, listen, it's it's going to be a, if they do land them, it's going to be a very difficult decision uh, for Peter Shirelli to decide whether it's not to roll the dice and start making some deals for a lot of teams that would want Austin Matthews and try to shore your defense core up, get a big-name defenseman, get some good draft picks or some, uh, or some players that can come in and help you right now uh, to change things up because I'm not so sure you can have Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews on the same team. I mean, you go back to the days of, of Gretzky and Messier. Messier took that backseat to Wayne Gretzky, and, and, and he should, and, and that team was successful. They were a young group that grew together, and, uh, and they all knew their place. Nowadays, you, you know, you draft – you draft, uh, uh, you know, you draft Taylor Hall. He's the number one guy. He's their guy, right? He's going to be your guy. And he's the, you know, I say call him the alpha, the alpha dog. He's the one. And then you get first again. You bring in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now he kind of settles back in, realizes Taylor Hall's the guy. That's fine. Then you get Yakupov. Now you get Connor McDavid. And to me, he's the alpha dog there. He's going to be the guy. He will be the next captain of the Edmonton Oilers. He will be the next guy that's going to be the leader of that team. And Taylor Hall has to either fall back into that Mark Messier spot and, and believe that he can do that or not. And, and do you feel he can do it? Now, saying it and doing it are two different things. Now you add Austin Matthews to that. It's even more of a problem. It's like, who's the guy? Who gets the big minutes? Who feels like he's the guy that carries a team and is the leader and the whole bit? Uh, too many alpha dogs. It doesn't work. And, and you look at Pittsburgh, 
you know, and, and I know Malkin and Crosby are fantastic players, but it just seems like when they won the Cup, Crosby was dinged up, he was hurt. Malkin seemed to carry it almost through that Stanley Cup Finals, and they won. Every time they're in the lineup together, they don't seem to play as well as a team. When one of them gets hurt for an extended period of time, the other one lights it up, becomes a star player in the league, and the team does better. It's like all of a sudden that player is getting to be the alpha dog, and he gets to control the ice and get in the key situations. So, you know, if, if Edmonton does get him, if they are fortunate enough to get Austin Matthews, I would say there's going to be some dice rolls. I think, that, I think it's going to make for a very interesting draft. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying I have any knowledge that that will happen, but I'm saying I think now you start looking, okay, we got the pick. Who wants the pick, and what will you give us for it? And see if you can't land yourself uh, one of those big uh, stud defensemen that can get in there, uh, that you can put in with a nurse and a cleft bomb, and all of a sudden you're starting to grow depth in your defense core. Uh, Dreisaitl's really come on there, so hopefully he can continue to grow as a player. And then maybe one of those other guys becomes expendable, and you make another deal and get another player. Like I think they realize that the chemistry that they have is not compatible. Or And these guys all want to win. They're all trying. It's like these guys don't go out and not try. They all want to win. But at the end of the day, if the chemistry set is not working, you've got to find a different chemistry, a different players and, and different you know, pegs that you're going to put people in that maybe are going to make a better team. And right now, um, I, this team has struggled with such great young talent. And, uh, you know, and you just can't keep blaming the coaches for it. You know, it, it, sometimes it's just that the chemistry is not right. And that's up to Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan, those guys, to figure out what's the best way to go. And Bob Nicholson, what's the best way to go? To, to, to fix what we have now. And we've got some talent. We've got some assets. Let's use these assets. And this is if you get Matthews. If you get him now, it, it, I think it really changes a lot of things for the Oilers and, and, and what they do. And it would be really fun as an outsider to watch how they actually go through that and manipulate through it. Gary, great stuff. When are we going to see you again? You back on the tube tomorrow? You know what? Uh, I am not on for game two. Um, we are traveling back for game three and four in New York. Okay. Uh, and then... Uh, and then uh, and then I, I'm, and then we'll we'll see what happens from there. But uh, if there's games available after that, but uh, yeah, no, it's really shocking. I mean, uh, the Islanders came out uh, flat for the first five minutes, but boy, did they turn it on! And and, and uh, it wasn't until Jack Capuano got that puck in the face, it seemed to discombobulate the whole Islander bench. And uh, Tampa turned it on, and you'd see what Tampa can do when they get fired on all cylinders. So um, I expect uh, I expect certainly uh, an answer back um, from the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game Two. Right on. Going to be a fun series. Gary, thanks for joining us tonight. Gary Galley, former NHL defenseman, now an analyst for the NHL on Rogers. Great uh, stories there about some of the stuff he sees calling the games from between the benches. And what do you think of that, Oil Country? He thinks the Oilers should not draft Austin Matthews if they win the top pick. He thinks they should trade it because you're, then you're running into a situation where you have too many alpha dogs on the same roster. Interesting stuff from a guy who used to play in the league. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Still no score. St. Louis and Dallas, 12 minutes left in the second period. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Cam Talbot will be playing for Team Canada at the upcoming World Hockey Championship starting on May 6th in Russia. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 7.23. Yeah, still, uh, oh, we got a goal. Dallas on the board. Dallas just on the board against the St. Louis Blues. So they go up uh, one nothing. Roussel with his 
second of the playoffs just a few seconds ago. So the Stars grab a 1-0 lead on the Blues. The Blue Jays now up 5-0 on Tampa Bay. Michael Saunders, the uh, Canadian, two home runs in that game for the Blue Jays. Donaldson has hit his eighth of the season as well. Raptors trailing the Pacers 65-62 late in the third quarter. Red Deer trying to stay alive against Brandon. Game five of their Western Hockey League Eastern Conference final. Jake DeBrusque has one of the goals as the Rebels are up 2-1 on the Wheat Kings after the first period. Seattle has uh, already advanced to the WHL Championship Series. Uh, Ethan Bear, good Oilers prospect on that team, on the Seattle team. Some uh, text to 630-630. Luke says, why would you trade Austin Matthews if you could trade Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl for a good defenseman? That is from Luke. Gary Galley made the interesting observation that if, if the Oilers were to win the number one overall pick, and there's not a great chance that's going to happen, but he says if they were to do it, that the, he doesn't think you could have Matthews on that team with other first overall draft picks, specifically McDavid. Says you got to have kind of one leader, one alpha dog. You can't have more than one. Another texture says Gary Galley is jealous. Of course, Messier and Gretzky were fighting for ice time, but they won four cups together. I don't think Messier ever thought he was a better player than Wayne Gretzky, though. I think he he knew he was still supporting Gretzky very strongly mm. and was a strong leader. But I, I think yeah. he still knew how the hierarchy worked. But you know, fair comment. Mm. And uh, Darcy says, uh, 100% agree. If the Oilers win the lottery, they should trade the pick. That comes in from Darcy tonight. It's going to be fun. A lot of possibilities. Draft lottery coverage on this very station will commence at uh, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Austin Matthews, born in San Francisco, grew up in uh, Arizona. There's been some talk. Well, would he go to Edmonton? Would he go to a Canadian team? His coach in the Swiss League, Mark Crawford, says Matthews will play anywhere. Austin wants to play in the NHL. And, uh, you know, I've actually talked to him exactly about that point. Is there any place you're, you're worried about playing? He's not worried about playing anywhere. Um, I would say this. I mean, like anybody, he, he would love to play uh, in Phoenix, his hometown, and, and for the right reasons. You know, his parents would get to see him play all the time. His grandparents Parents. He's a real grounded kid uh, that that is a family first uh, kid as well. So uh, you know, but I, you know, we talked about all the Canadian markets at the end of the season with him. You know what the strengths were, and, and they're all got pluses. And he knows it, and he. Uh, he, he, he have no worries about him at all. Absolutely none. Uh, this kid, this kid could be from Prince Albert just as easily as from Belleville, Ontario, or he could be uh, like he is now, where he's a, a kid that was born and bred and grew up in in Phoenix. All right, so that's Mark Crawford who coached Austin Matthews in the Swiss League. By the way, Arizona's chance of finishing first six and a half percent. And uh, I'm sure some people around the Coyotes might tell you that they did too well this season when it comes to trying to secure a lot of uh, a good percentage to win the draft lottery. Keep the text coming to 630-630. Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network, Sportsnet 960, the fan down the highway, is going to join us after the 730 News. Calgary in there at 8.5% for uh, the first overall pick. They didn't expect to be there after being in the playoffs last season. Inside Sports on 630 Chat, back after the news.
This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. One nothing Dallas. Four minutes left in the second period. This is Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet, thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Uh, Ron the Iceman says, "Reed, I agree with Gary Galley. If the Oilers win the draft lottery, they have to look at trading it or try to get Line A plus another asset. Some say he is the better player long term." Uh, another texter says, uh, problem solved. Year after year, we've heard that you uh, use your pick and take the best player available, but that's the best player, according to scouts, might not be the best player in a few years, such as Yakupov. So if we get the number one pick, why don't we try to address our size and pick the bulky winger sniper in line A who could flank McDavid? And... Frustrated fan says, the best way for things to happen tomorrow is Coyotes win the first pick, Oilers the second pick, Montreal third, dropping the Leafs down to fourth, and then the media in Toronto can continue to whine. (laughs) That is the take of frustrated fan on the text line as we bring in Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network out of Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. Good evening, Pat. Hello, sir. I thank you for making time for me at 7.30 on a Friday night. What would be better than spending a Friday night with you and your angelic voice? Nothing. Thank you for recognizing I get, that. I don't get to see you, which is <laughs> the only thing that would have been better, but this will do. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that. This interview is off to a flying start. Eight and a half percent, buddy. Now, the thing you got, this is what I'm telling people. The thing you have to remember is eight and a half percent sounds okay until you realize it's 91 and a half percent on the other side, right? Yes. Yeah. What, here's the, the worst part is for, for a Flames fan when you go and you take a look at the, the probability chart is that it's, the lottery actually sucks for the Flames because they've got a 35 percent chance of moving down to six from where they are right now in fifth and a 25% chance of moving two spots down to seven. So they're kind of in a spot where you know, most likely, not only are they not going to move up or stay where they are, they're more more—they're most likely to move down two spots. So it's actually kind of a, you know, probability-wise, they've got a 60% chance of moving down at least one, maybe two spots down. Uh, because it's 8.5% for first, uh, between 8.5 and 9% for second and just over nine percent for third just over nine percent they stay where they are and just over i think three percent uh that they would drop all the way to eight so i mean i guess if you're a flames fan you're probably preparing yourself to actually drop into the six seven range when it's all said and done would a would a win of the lottery be incredible sure it would would it be awesome to see them draft in the top three i mean i think here in calgary they've never they've never drafted in the top three in their history. Since since the organization moved to Calgary, they've never had a pick higher than when they drafted Sam Bennett one pick after you guys took me on dry saddle in 2014. So that's the highest the Flames have ever picked in their organizational history. So them getting a top three pick with where they are positioned right now with some of their young players, um, that I think would be a franchise-altering lottery win. So if they can get themselves, they don't need to win the Austin Matthews 
lottery, but to get one of those three balls and have their logo on it, that would be franchise altering. But again, the chances of that happening once the three lotteries are, are done, you're still looking at over a 90% chance that doesn't happen. But you never know. I mean, we've seen the, the Devils won the lottery the one year where, yep. no, I think that was the Nugent Hopkins year, yep. where the Oilers took Nugent Hopkins one overall. The Oilers actually didn't win the lottery that year. The Devils did, but they could only move up three spots that year. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm not anticipating the Flames drafting in the top three. They've got a very slight chance of doing that. Uh, and it would be huge if they do, but I don't know if a ton of people are anticipating that to happen. Well, it's interesting. Every every team has the best chance of moving down once you add everything together and, and yep. throw it all into the same pot. I mean, it, Toronto's most likely to pick fourth, 47.5%. Yep. So that, that's the interesting thing. So there are three teams that are that are going to luck out against the odds and win it. And it's, it's interesting, Pat, on our text line today, um, a lot of people like uh, Line a, a lot from what they've heard about him and seen him play uh, internationally. I believe he was the um, MVP of the Finnish League playoffs, so that's a big feather in his cap as well. So it's interesting you mentioned, wouldn't it be great just to get anywhere in the top three? And I think for for the Oilers, I mean, look, people aren't stupid. They They know what an incredible lightning bolt it was to get McDavid. So I think some fans almost have the let's not be too greedy attitude. Well, just greedy enough to get somebody in the top three if if, yeah. if it's if it's not Matthews. Well, it's funny, uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, the Line matthews conversation because uh, on our show down here, we had Dan Maron, the director of NHL Central Scouting today, and, you know, one of the things I asked him is, okay, there seems to have been a push. There seems to be, you know, a little bit of a groundswell. I mean, Reader, how many times have you and I covered drafts where, you know, going in, everybody's like, oh, the consensus number one guy all year long. Maybe it's not going to be him. Right. You know, the last couple of months going into a draft, it always seems like it's like that. I remember the Tavares year. Oh, maybe it's going to be Deshane or Hedman. Well, it ended up being Tavares. You know, the Yakupov year, we found out that, you know, it was close to being Ryan Murray, but they still ended up taking Yakupov, and he was the consensus number one overall. I remember the Nugent Hopkins year, same thing. It's like, well, is Nugent going to go number one? He still went number one. So I think Austin Matthews is still going to be the number one overall pick, whoever gets him. Uh, so, but it's, it's interesting you bring that up because the, the, the scoring tear that Lina went on in, in the Finnish league down the stretch has really boosted his stock, and there's one more kind of opportunity to view these two guys. Seems like Pugliarvi kind of slotted right into the number three spot, um, but the, these two guys both have world championships to play, and that'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, I'm not sure if it will, but will it maybe boost one guy's stock enough to kind of solidify things, specifically with, with Patrick Lighting? Will, will it do enough to, to maybe be able to continue that groundswell as to whether or not he might be able to, to usurp Matthews is the number one overall pick. I don't think so, but world championships are going to be watched by a lot of scouts and a lot of general managers, and there's three guys who are going to be playing in it. So that'll be very interesting to see. Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network joining us tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 740. Again, Calgary 8.5% to be the first team picked tomorrow and uh, get that number one slot heading into the draft in Buffalo in June. And that's you mentioned the Flames. They pick one, two, or three, or they pick five, six, seven, or eight. Uh, I mean, there there are some a, a lot of after Matthews, a lot of wingers, and then you get into some defensemen, uh, Sergachev, Chikrin. I mean, if the Flames wind up five through eight, I mean, the, 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 there's a lot of talk about their about their D. 
having said that, nothing wrong with drafting a defenseman who might be two, three, four years away as well. Do you get any sense of uh, which way they'd lean if they're not in the top three? My gut tells me that, yeah, it would be a defenseman. And there's, what, five or six of them. There's uh, Calgary Hitman, full uh, defenseman Jake Bean, who you throw into that mix. Uh, there's the, the Windsor defenseman. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of defensemen. And, and one of the things that, that Dan Marr said today is, regardless of position, kind of picks four through 19, central scouting believes are almost interchangeable. While there is a clear-cut, one, two, three group, and they believe a consensus number one at Matthews. From the three to the drop to four in that next group is fairly dramatic, and not in a you know not like those the, the players four on are bad, but you know the top three group is pretty you know in their own class, and then four so they say nineteen almost interchangeable, which I think is very very interesting. They believe that you know there could be guys that they have ranked seventeen that could go six or seven, so that makes it really interesting. And he says even more so like that with the defensemen. So all those defensemen that are that are grouped in there, I think we could see kind of go all over the place. My gut says if the Flames were to draft in that, you know, five, six, seven, eight range, that they would take a defenseman. But the big question is if, because I believe if they don't win the lottery and they don't get themselves into the top three, if they win the lottery if they get or, or if they win a lottery pick and they get themselves into the top three, for me, it is a non-starter about moving that pick. That's, that's franchise-altering for this team, and that's untouchable, so you don't move that. But what will be very interesting is whether or not they move a pick if there's, say, drafting six or seven, like the probability suggests. And I think there's a really interesting conversation to be had because they are in dire need of a goaltender. Everybody knows that you know Freddie Anderson's name is, is being thrown around right now, and I'm not saying he is just trade number, say, seven overall straight up for Freddie Anderson, but I think you, you at the very least need to have that conversation. Uh, what about a winger? This team is in dire need of another impact winger. They have got two impact natural wingers that can play in their top six right now. Michael Perlick, who had a great first year with the team, and Johnny Gaudreau, who is you know one of the best wingers in the National Hockey League. Other than that, they don't have very many natural wingers at all the rest are converted centers, and, and even then we're not talking about impact makers short of Sam Bennett if that's the way they want to go and, and use him on the wing, which we don't know yet. So so if they could if they could turn a sixth or seventh overall pick into an impact player or at the very least start the conversation, I think they have to do it. Last year they – I still think that the, the deal that they swung last year where they traded their first-round pick, albeit much later in the first round, but their first-round pick in a couple seconds into a 22-year-old defenseman in Dougie Hamilton – that's the type of move that you know I, I think that we might see happen if the Flames don't get themselves into the top three. I don't think the Flames are necessarily going into the draft in June saying we need to trade our pick, but I think that at the very least the lines of communication would be open because this team needs a goaltender. And I don't, you know, could they could they patchwork it again for this year and, and have a better season? Sure, but long term they're going to need to find somebody if they're going to want to return to being a. Uh, a perennial playoff team. So that's a really interesting caveat to the whole conversation. Do they put that pick in play if they don't end up drafting in the top three? All right, Pat, one more for you. I wrote a somewhat pro-Calgary Flames blog today uh, suggesting that if the Oilers didn't win the draft lottery, I'm not saying ABC, I'm saying WNC. Why not Calgary? 
why not add fuel to the Battle of Alberta to try to reheat it with McDavid against Matthews for the next decade and a half? That sounds pretty appealing to me. And let's face it, everybody talks about, well, people hate the Oilers because they've won the draft lottery and people will be more annoyed if they win it tomorrow. I I think whatever team wins the draft lottery is always going to be the target of some hatred and jealousy. I mean, what if Boston wins it? They miss the playoffs by a point. People are going to say that's not fair. You can always find a reason to get mad at the lottery. I'm saying if the Oilers don't get it, let the Flames get it. The rest of the country can hate the province as a whole, and maybe this rivalry will actually become a real rivalry again. You're telling me that the Battle of Alberta isn't as good as it was in the late 1980s? (laughs) Just a theory. Um, yeah, that would be great. Look, I think, and even if even if the Flames don't end up getting the number one overall pick, I think the way that, you know, both teams are trending here with McDavid in the fold and, and McDavid going to be a, you know, let's, let's be honest, he's going to be a superstar for, for years to come if he can stay healthy, which which I believe he will. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, well, he missed a lot. It's a freak accident. So I, I fully believe McDavid's going to be a, a superstar uh, for years to come, so you've got you've got McDavid and whatever the young group looks like once this offseason's done. You know, I think that you know we're all kind of expecting some changes this uh, this summer in Edmonton. But yeah, if they can get another player like that, you throw McDavid and Drysaddle and you know Hall and that group up against Gaudreau and Monahan and say Austin Matthews. That'd be great. And even without Matthews, I think it's already trending in a really really fun direction. I sure hope it is. But yeah, and and Flames have never drafted number one overall. There's there's kind of a, a cool buzz that goes around. I remember uh, being at the draft the first time the Oilers had the number one overall pick, going back to L.A. in 2010. You know, I, I know they drafted McDavid and Nugent Hopkins and Yakupov after that, but that year because it was the first year they'd taken the number one overall pick. It was the first year there was that excitement. Taylor Hall was the guy, and I just remember how much I, I was covering the draft from a Calgary perspective, and yet the buzz for me about the Oilers drafting number one overall was huge because there were Oilers fans all over Southern California, and and it was so, so drafting number one overall is a really cool thing too. So hey, let's see. I mean, I know that Flames fans will not be happy if the Oilers win the lottery. I can tell you that uh, without <laughs> any uh, without any blinking of an eye. But I uh, I'm I like the lottery this year. I like how much uncertainty there is. I like how up in the air it is. And I'm really interested to see what the final draft order looks like when it's all said and done. Well, it's going to be fun. I think it's long overdue, quite frankly, that, they, that they've gone to three teams getting picked. Pat, enjoy the coverage uh, tomorrow. Going to be interesting. And again, thanks for being so generous with your time to 630 Chad, buddy. You will always get a yes from me. Well, that's encouraging. That is Pat Steiber checking in tonight from Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. A little more draft lottery talk as we move along. Morley Scott will also tee up Sunday's Eskimo show. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. The Toronto Raptors are now getting routed. 90-69 for Indiana with five minutes left. In the second half, the Pacers have outscored the Raptors 50-25. My goodness. There's going to be a Game 7. Blue Jays leading Tampa 6-1. That's in the bottom of the ninth. Stars up 1-0 on the Blues after two periods. Roussel has the uh, only goal of the game. 
And later on tonight, it'll be uh, San Jose taking on the Nashville Predators. Burns, Dowdy, and Carlson are the finalists for the Norris Trophy. The NHL and the Players Association have agreed on some rules for the expansion draft, including if a player has a no-move clause, he can't be exposed. If he has a no-trade clause, he can be exposed in a hypothetical expansion draft. The Anaheim Ducks fired coach Bruce Boudreaux today. GM Bob Murray on the responsibility of the players. The players are going to have to answer that in the next four or five days. Where were they? They, um, they, they showed up in game seven. But where was that, where was that passion, the controlled emotion? Where the heck was that? And um, so they're going to have to be held accountable a little bit too. All right. See what happens there with the new coach. Already uh, rumors circulating that Boudreaux will be interviewed by the Ottawa Senators for their vacant head coaching position. Other notes today, reigning NL batting champ D. Gordon, an 80-game suspension for using performance-enhancing drugs. He says he ingested them unknowingly. Last year he uh, hit 333. And he had 58 stolen bases. First guy to lead the NL in the NL in both categories since Jackie Robinson in 1949. He'll sit out the next 80 games. Blue Jays, by the way, just wrapped it up, beating Tampa Bay 6-1. Here's a bit of a weird one. I don't know if you saw this today, Kellen. Philadelphia drug dealers. Trust me, there's a sports tie-in here, though it's it's a it's a, a weird one. Okay, I'm following. Phil- Philadelphia drug dealers looking to market their heroin as top of the line, are stamping packets with the likeness of Golden State Warriors star Steph Curry. Okay. Yes, uh, Philadelphia apparently, I didn't know this. Thankfully, I didn't know this. Philadelphia is known for having the most potent heroin in the United States. Okay. This is like a Breaking Bad episode here. That was meth, but still. Uh, So a, a police officer... Uh, a police chief, pardon me, in Philadelphia says he uh, noticed the Curry heroin branding this week after an officer stopped the man with the packets. Mm. He see uh, he says he ha- has not seen drug dealers taking the names of other athletes or celebrities to promote their goods. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want uh, a drug named after. Uh, that's something I remember. Not an illegal one. That's something I remember though. Back with they do the uh, the dare uh, program where the police comes to your school and elementary schools now and that stuff. I remember taking that back in grade five and grade six. Uh, sometimes uh, dealers will stamp uh, logos of uh, like companies or uh, cartoons or stuff like that on drugs to make it more marketable to younger people. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But would anybody actually think that Steph Curry is endorsing the heroin? Well, I guess maybe if you're already on drugs a lot, maybe maybe that's how your mind would work. I would hope not. Uh, Anyway... I, w- I was going to throw that was a bizarre was, little story. I was going to throw a Philadelphia 76ers joke in there, but I decided not to. That would be some bad drugs, dude. Yeah, it would. It yeah, would. that would, that would be some bad drugs. <laughs> uh, Old timer texting the show. He says, "I am truly amazed that you still have your sanity." What with all the armchair critics and coaches? That is from old timer. 
Well, who said I was sane to begin with, Arnold? Yeah, I was going to say. I think I appreciate that old timer, but I think a lot of my coworkers and friends would would take issue with you. You haven't seen the studio at Shed yet. It's not really a studio; more than it's like a padded room that reads. Oh, in right come now. on now! Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. Uh, Red Deer taking on Brandon tonight in the Western Hockey League. The Rebels are up 2-1 halfway through the game. They have to win to stay alive because Brandon leads the series three games to one. Uh, you can always get me on Twitter, by the way, at Reed Wilkins. Uh, Curtis says, uh, I think the Oilers would take line A if the chance is there to get him. A six foot four right winger would be... A beauty. We don't need Matthews. Trade the number one overall pick if we get it. That is Curtis tweeting me at Reed Wilkins. Of course, the open line is 780-496-0063. Matthew says, Edmonton should be picking the player they least want to play against. And he puts against in all uh, all capital letters. Coming up to the 8 o'clock news, uh, still ahead, a little more draft lottery stuff. Morley Scott's going to stop by for a quick hitter to tee up the Eskimo show Sunday at 4. Remember, draft lottery coverage Saturday at 5. And we'll talk about that amazing story in the English Premier League. Former Canadian goalkeeper Craig Forrest will tell us about the unlikely rise of Leicester City. All still ahead. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.